But uh, I also spoke to you, I, maybe I was mistaken, I thought it was the last time I spoke to you was on the feet. Okay, that's all right. I'm just glad you remembered. You probably remembered what, <laughs> the rest of them couldn't even remember what I spoke on the last time. All right, <laughs> let alone time for last. I can tell it's getting down in there deep. Anyway, I spoke on the feet. But, so I'm going to move up to the other end of the body tonight and just share with you some thoughts that God laid on my heart. And I've been wondering when I was supposed to present it to you and teach you on it. But uh, after last Sunday night service and uh, all the testimonies that came forth, I thought I would talk to you tonight on the subject of may I see your tongue? May I see your tongue? <laughs> Somebody says, may I be, please be excused. I'll never be as rough and harsh as, was it Kenneth Hagin or Kenneth Copeland or someone that uh, lady came up and said he wanted, she wanted him to pray for her tongue. She had been backbiting and gossiping. And he said, well, go lay it up there on the platform. We've only got 50 feet. It might fit. And I'll pray for it. I'd never be that harsh, you see. <laughs> Turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, please. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. You know the beautiful part that I see, every time God gives a teaching, He gives it for the betterment of us. He never makes arbitrary rules to make us miserable or to make it harsh for us or to crush us or push us down. But in every instance, if we will obey what God's Word says, we will experience what Jesus said was His purpose in coming. And that was that you might have what? Life and have it what? more abundantly. That's right. So if we can take these truths, you know, many times when we say in our family, now this is going to be a rule in the family, everybody goes, oh, not another rule. But generally speaking, if, if it's a godly man or woman that's setting the rules within the home, it's to cause that home life to be more of what God would want it to be and consequently to have a happier home. Now, if you can just magnify that by millions of times and recognize that every statement in the Word of God, if we were to receive it and obey it, our lives would be fuller and more joyful than we could ever hope. By not, if we were not to obey it. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Turn to James, the third chapter. James, the third chapter. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read another verse to you out of the Gospel of Luke. As you've turned to, to James, let me read to you from Luke 6, 45. Luke 6, 45. A good man out of the tr good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. In the Living Bible, it puts it this way, whatever is in the heart overflows into speech. I like that. Whatever is in the heart overflows into speech. In other words, stay around a person a little while and listen to what they talk about and it'll tell you what they're full of. It just can't be avoided. 
If they're full of anything, it sooner or later is going to spill over, is what he's saying there. James 3, verse, beginning of the first verse. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect or a mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be great and are driven with fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. By the way, Kenneth Copeland in that last phrase there, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, said a negative confession can destroy you. And I thought that's, that's very good. How great a matter a little fire kindleth, just a little negative confession, can begin to destroy your whole position. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among your members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of bird and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, even after, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt and fresh water. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom, or the word of God I put there, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Father, in Jesus' name, we really desire to know what we ought to do day by day. And we want you to remind us tonight of that position that will bring joy and peace and harmony and flowing and the blessings of God within this body. Minister to us tonight in a very special way in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You know, it's an interesting thing. Whenever you go to a doctor, no matter just about anything that you may tell him you have, what's the first thing he wants to see? Yeah, say, stick out your tongue. Because your tongue, generally speaking, will indicate your general health. If it's got a coating on it. Someone said that uh, he knew of a man that had a clothing disease. And I said, what's that? He says, well, that's when you've got a coat on your tongue and your breath comes in short pants. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> generally speaking... Uh, if your tongue is coated or thick, uh, the doctor immediately can tell that there's something wrong with you. And, and Jesus says that spiritually this is true too. 
Spiritually speaking, if a man is, if you want to find out whether a man's in a good condition spiritually, check his tongue, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And it's usually when we get bumped or pushed or pressed or uh, something that doesn't please us very well comes along that what's down there squirts out. It would be like me going down to uh, a bakery or a donut shop. And if you didn't have signs out front, can you imagine me going along and saying, what's this one? Oh, that's strawberry. What's this one? That's lemon. And as soon as I'd push on them, it'd tell me what they were because it'd push out that little hole that it went into. And, and it, this is exactly the way we can God's Word describes is true of an individual. What do you say when something pressures you or goes against you? That little tongue is an indicative thing, an uh, indicative member showing just what our spiritual health will be. Now that's, that's hard for me too, because whenever I talk to you, it, I'm pointing fingers at myself. Someone said that in the Talmud there is an illustration of a king and a jester, and the king said, I want you to go out and bring to me the most glorious thing, the best possession on earth. And he brought back a tongue, a tongue to the king and said, this is the most glorious possession. Can you imagine what a person could do, cannot do without his tongue? Without a tongue, a man cannot speak. He cannot express himself in a way that can communicate as we need to communicate. And he can sing and make glorious melody. The king said, that's great. He said, now go out and get the worst thing you can find on the earth, the worst possession you can find on earth. And he went out and in no time came back with another tongue. And the illustration was to bring forth the fact that the tongue can become what we allow it to become. It can be splendor or it can be shame. It can be stars, up in the stars uh, lifting us up and encouraging us or it can be down in the cesspool. That's how important the tongue is. In Proverbs, the sixth chapter, God tells us the six, no, seven things that, he, that are an abomination to him. Proverbs, the sixth chapter. And there's three of them I want you to notice. Verse 16 says, Proverbs 6, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. You're still coming there? Proverbs 6. Verse 17. Seven things that God hates. Mark them down. A proud look. You ever seen some Christians going around looking like, they, like, like they, they must feel like they're the top feather in a peacock's tail? You ever seen them like that? Oh, I'll tell you, when the Lord works that kind over, they come out. Oh, he, can read, he knows how to do it. I heard of a young seminarian came out, and he thought he was going to be the finest preacher in the world. And when he went to this church to preach, he went strutting up on the platform and plopped his Bible down and began with some big boisterous noise. And as he did so, the window opened off to the side, blew all of his notes on the floor. And he got them all picked up and tried to straighten them out. He's all embarrassed and he got mixed up. And finally, he just gave up and walked down just totally beaten. And one man walked up to him and said, My son, had you gone up like you came down, you could have come down like you went up. <laughs> A proud look. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. In other words, a, a heart that goes around plotting evil things. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And get this. And he that soweth what? Among the 
discord among the brethren. I would to God that we could put that up on many a church wall. That God hates and it is an abomination in sight. Anyone that sows discord among the brethren. The Lord wants us to be one in spirit, heart, and mind. And when I say that, I'm only sharing with you. I, I'm not saying you, 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 because if I did, I'd be saying me, me, me too. I'm simply saying this is the principle on which we as Christians know what God's will for our life is. God hates anything that will cause discord to be sown among the brethren. We're to love and encourage and build up one another. To exhort, rebuke with all long suffering, the word of God says. Now the power that the tongue has is tremendous. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now we know what that means. If a man has been convicted of a crime, Proverbs 18, 21. If a man is convicted of a crime and he walks before the judge, that judge has a tongue in his mouth and he can speak to that man life or he can speak to that man death, can't he? You're going to be electrocuted in the electric chair until you're dead. Or I acquit you. The power of life and death are in the tongue. The word of God speaks of the tongue as an arrow, as a fire, as a serpent, as a rudder, as a bit. All these different things of tremendous power and control. And of course that's why we say time and time again as, as, as uh, Solomon said that we are snared with the words of our mouth. What we, what we confess is what we get. It was interesting, last week I was sitting with some people and they were talking about a friend of theirs and they said, you know, he and his friend are bound determined they're going to have cancer. They keep saying, yes, I know I've got cancer. It's got to be there. They go to the doctor, it's not there. Oh, but I do have it. I know I have it. Yes, I've got cancer. And said, you know, they are just bound determined that they're going to have cancer and they'll end up with it eventually. They're confessing with their mouth. That's what I've got. Doctor, you're wrong. I know I've got cancer. Goodness, there's some things I'd rather be confessing than that, I'll assure you. The thing that I want to put across, if I possibly can tonight, is that God is concerned with how we as Christians use our tongues. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now God, first of all, puts a curse on a cutting tongue. The curse for a cutting tongue, uh, you don't have to turn to it. Psalm 101, verse 5 says, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I destroy. Now slander, today we would call it gossip as well as slander. God says if a person does that, privately goes around trying to slander people, he'll, he'll sooner or later destroy that person. Do you know that slander or gossip is worse than murder? I really believe. If you kill a person, you can only take his life. If you wound a person, maybe they can be healed. But if you slander someone or gossip about someone, that can never be returned to them, generally speaking. I used this illustration some years ago of a, a woman that came to a pastor and said, I've been gossiping about you. I want you to forgive me, please. And he said, all right, come with me. And he went upstairs, he took a pillow off of his bed, he tore the pillow open, went to the window and shook all the pillows, the feathers out of the pillow, out, into the, uh, out at the window, and the air blew them down the street. She said, what are you doing? He said, you asked me to forgive you. If you'll go out and pick up all those feathers and bring them back to me, then maybe I can forgive you. She said, that's impossible. He said, well, it isn't impossible for me to forgive you, but I want you to understand that even though I forgive you, what you've done will never be able to be rectified. And this shook the woman. She suddenly realized that 
It's one thing to ask someone to forgive you for gossiping about them, but the damage has already been done. It's already out in the wind and blowing, and it keeps going. Uh, not any damage is done, but an illustration of it was when, as I shared with you from Minnesota, the report came back from this young lady that Pastor and Mrs. Webb were divorced. And uh, evidently that's widespread up in Minnesota now that we're divorced. And what, like uh, one person said, that probably wasn't too difficult. Someone probably said that you were preaching on a very difficult subject of divorce, and then somebody picked up the divorce part and carried it on. But there they're running around saying, Did you know? But you see how deadly that can be? Of course, the word tells us, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Caution for a careless tongue. The first one was curse for a careless tongue. Caution for a careless tongue. Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter and the 7th verse, is the third commandment that God gave. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. Now I'm talking about a careless Christian tongue. You know when we become Christians, generally speaking, I don't hear many Christians go around cursing. Now I'm not going to try to nitpick tonight, but I just want to try to get your ears to stand up a little bit and think about something. In Matthew the 5th chapter and the 37th verse, now by the way, if I'm quoting these verses and you don't get them... You want them, I'll, I'll requote them to you, but otherwise you can pick them up off the tape. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 37. But let your communication be yes, yes, no, no, for whatever is more than that of these becometh of evil. Do you know that many times we as Christians try to replace our old vocabulary with words that aren't so abusive? And many times I hear Christians, for example, go around saying, darn it. you probably heard it. Maybe some of you have used it from time to time. And uh, I'm not going to get nit nitpicking. I'm just going to ask you sometime to go to your dictionary and find out what the meaning of the word darn is. They tell us very quickly that it is a... Another word for the word damn, it has been replaced. And there was a Latin word, I believe they said it was, that was tarnal. And that word has been derived from that word tarnal, which meant eternal. And uh, so in reality, when we're saying darn, we're talking about eternal damning. I never knew that until some years ago when uh, someone spoke to me about slang in my vocabulary. I used to have a very, very uh, Descriptive and colorful vocabulary. It wasn't very, there weren't very many words, but they were very expletive. And uh, at times I would tend to stop those and try the other lighter words. And I, I think we can get to the place where we're careless with our tongues. And, and the old devil, he doesn't care how he gets us to do it. If he can get us to say words we ought not as a Christian. Jesus said, yes, yes, no, no, forget all the rest of the things. We even try to pick up slang words and I have to watch it time and time again because it's so easy. We hear the word heck. And in the dictionary, you can read it for yourself. It's a mild curse word, which is an interjection for hell. And uh, I didn't say it. It's in the world book and uh, dictionary. It's just another word in place of it. The word G. 
I just out of curiosity looked in the dictionary for that, and this is what it says, not me. It says it's a mild oath and a short for Jesus. It's a mild, short oath. Instead of saying Jesus as a swear word, we say G. And so Jesus says uh, he'll not take it, excuse me, he will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And we have to be careful with some of these words we pick up and carry around as Christians. Matthew says, swear not at all. Ephesians 4.29 again, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Now that word corrupt, by the way, they used it in the Greek in that day when there was, were fish or meat or vegetables that were starting to spoil or get discolored or, or have a cloudy look to it or have a slight odor starting into it. He wasn't talking about something that was rotten and putrid. It was talking about something that was just a little bit colored that could be injurious to your, your health. And he's saying here, don't let any corrupt communication come out of you, something that could be uh, injurious to your moral or your spiritual health or of those that are listening. Something that might not be wholesome. And by the way, it doesn't need to be violent. It doesn't need to be false. It doesn't need to be defamatory or foul or senseless or profane. It can just simply be something that is an obsession to us. Do you know if all we can talk about is business or fashion or pleasure or politics or sports, and that's our whole vocabulary, and that possesses our total interest that can become corrupt communication. Did you know that? Wow, you see, you're getting kind of heavy tonight, Brother Webb. No. If it comes to the place that it ex we become so proficient in talking about that, those things to where we do not feel comfortable in giving a witness for Jesus Christ, these things can become a corrupt communication, filling us full to where whenever anybody hits us, that's all we can talk about, our business, our politics, our money, or something like that. We should be able to talk about these things, but when somebody gives us the opportunity, we ought to, and they bump us, out should come the things of Christ. I had a real blessed experience this last week, and I would to God I could see it more often. I walked up on one of the people in attendance here, and they had a man standing in front of them, and they were just really witnessing the gospel to them. And that person was just standing there just so much under conviction. It was just beautiful. And by the time I got there, I was right up on them before I knew what was going on. I couldn't back out, so I got to stand there and listen to it. And it was beautiful. And I thought, now, that's what God desires in our lives. Corrupt communication is anything, I believe, that continues on and will not allow us to be able to move in to minister to people out of fear. Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. You see, if they're not corrupt words, they can be idle words. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Rather than to have idle words or corrupt words in our communication, the word tells us, be ready always to give an answer to anyone that asketh you a reason for the hope that lieth within you. That we should not deny him before men, but rather confess him before men, that he might confess us before his Father, which is in heaven. The cleansing, number three, the cleansing of a consecrated tongue will only come through constantly seeking the Lord's face and getting to know him in a more intimate way. And there's only one way we can do that. We were talking about it last night again. 
Thy word is a lamp unto our feet, my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word is the thing that's going to cause us to walk in a correct walk with the Lord. And when we begin to become absolutely filled with the word of God, bathed in the word of God, thinking upon the laws of God day and night, in his law doth he meditate day and night, he'll be like a tree by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, bring forth fruit. Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his temple. And then when he saw the Lord, he saw himself and he said, Lo, woe is me, I am a un man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And he, the Lord brought some coals from the fire on the altar and put it on his lips and cleansed his lips. And he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. And I believe with all my heart when we become saturated with the word of God and begin to see the glorious life of Jesus Christ in us, what it ought to be, and we yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, cleansing will come to our tongue. If you're filled with the memorization of Scripture and meditation of Scripture and application of Scripture all day, Lord, how can I apply that verse to my heart? And those thoughts are going into your heart. Let me assure you there's not going to be other thoughts coming out of you. If you're filled with the Word of God, that's all that can come out of you. Somebody bumps you, you can say, glory to God, I've got something to share with you the Lord's given me. You see, you'll be filled with it. The fourth thing is the challenge for the cleansed tongue. Ephesians 4.29 again gives us the solution. But that says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But here's the, here's the challenge. But that which is good or godly to the use of edifying. What does edifying mean? Building up, strengthening, causing people to be able to stand. That's what should be coming out of our mouth. Edifying one another, strengthening one another, encouraging one another. That, with, that it may minister grace to the hearers. What is grace? Unmerited favor. That it might minister unmerited favor to the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, it says in the next verse. So if we are allowing corrupt communication to come out of our mouth, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. If we're not edifying those around about us. You know, the, the, the flesh, and when we look at the body, it can exhale bad breath from time to time. I've gone through that experience. And the scripture tells us about the tongue. No man can tame it. It's an unruly thing full of evil, deadly poison. And physically, there come times when we have to do something about our physical breath. And there is something that can be done concerning our spiritual breath and that which comes from us. Someone said one time, only the Spirit of God can sweeten the breath. He's God's green phantom. We talked about the green phantom for our breath. Bad breath usually comes from two sources. First of all, something that you've taken internally. I've been around people and they'll say, excuse me, but I had garlic tonight before I came to church and... Uh, or I just had some onions tonight before I came to church. And, and they're simply trying to tell me that there is something internally that's creating a problem that they're embarrassed about outside. The other thing, of course, is an unbalanced system when you're not feeling well. I can remember one time when I was under tremendous pressure. You could stand five feet away. My wife would be five feet away from me. She'd say, honey, I smell your breath. There was an imbalance, a chemical imbalance in my body. And, uh, of course, spiritually the same thing is true. First of all, internally, if we've got bad breath coming out spiritually speaking, there's the remedy is to be filled with the Spirit. 
If we're filled with the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If it's an imbalance in our Christian life, then we need to come into a place of peace with the Lord through repentance, confession, and repentance of our sins and cause that thing to be straightened out so that we can say with Paul, I have a clear conscience toward God and toward man. And uh, I, I believe just as we come before the Lord, before a doctor, and he says, let me see your tongue, there's times we need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, check my tongue. David did that. David said, uh, Lord, set a watch before my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. David was consciously aware that what we say is, has a tremendous impact on those around about us, spiritually speaking. You know, if every man in this world could take care of his tongue and get it straightened out, can you imagine what it would be like tomorrow if you got up and in the whole world there was no anger and no profanity and no lying and no murmuring and no grumbling and no complaining and no dirty stories and no unjust criticism? There wouldn't be any more wars or rumors of wars or problems, would there? If every man could control his tongue. That little unruly member inside of him. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work, James said. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Can we be, practice this from day to day? I'm sure most, of, most all of us to try to. That when we say something, can we say, first of all, is it true? And that's not enough. Second, is it kind? And third, does it glorify Jesus Christ? If we can ask those questions before we say things, I believe God could send a real revival to us. I'm so thankful 1 John 1, 9 is there for each of us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, us from all unrighteousness. And I'm so thankful that when the Lord came to our lives, He didn't say, I just want your heart. He said, I want your tongue. I want your body. I want your whole life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice. Can we tell the Lord, Lord, take a look at my tongue tonight? He's not only interested in where our feet go, he's interested in what our tongue says. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in his sight. Father, in Jesus' name, we just lift up before you our tongues and we confess, Lord, they are an unruly member. And by a quality decision, we decide right now and declare that we want you to control our tongues. Lord, set a guard before our tongues. Cause the Holy Spirit right now to set up an alarm clock on our tongue. Lord, we're asking you to give us a warning every time we start to speak corrupt or idle words. We just ask that the Holy Spirit will come and as we saturate ourselves with the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit will cause us to be filled with the Spirit and speak only those things that edify and build up. Lord, restore and renew our minds to where we don't have to use any other words but yes and no. That the slang and the corrupt and the idle words will not be found in our vocabulary because all, everything else is from the evil one. And we don't want anything within us from the evil one. 
in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. And we just declare we want to be obedient to it. And we know that the only way we can do it is by yielding, not by fighting, but by yielding to the lordship of Jesus Christ, our tongues. Lord, we want that in our lives. I don't believe there's anyone here tonight that does not want that. And so we just agree with you tonight that that's the only answer. And we just confess to you that's what we want in our lives and ask you to accomplish that in our hearts. We commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.